And a very good evening to you. Welcome to today's edition of The Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pirch. Thank you so much for being here with me. Coming up later on in the broadcast, we bring you two features. The first one, we look at fighting discrimination against albinos. And then we take a look at the Dominican Order of Preachers Jubilee with Father Gabriel Samba. For now, though, do stay tuned as Mahadi Butelezi is on standby to bring you the latest news updates. Listen to Radio Veritas, 5.76 a.m. for a change. Bringing you your news headlines from Africa and beyond. Pretoria in flames. Institutions in Kenya mark first anniversary of Laudato Si and second International Day of Yoga. Good evening, I am Mahadi Butelezi. As protests continue in parts of Pretoria, angry community members have looted shops and set a car on fire. Community members say they are angry over the African National Congress's decision to announce former Public Works Minister Togo Didiza as its 20 mayoral candidate. The protest started in Mamilodi and Attridgeville on Monday evening as community members burned several trucks and buses. The Mabopani Highway near the Hebron exit was barricaded with burning tires and tree branches. All shops in the Thorn Tree Shopping Center were closed. Most businesses and institutions closed early. Sheila Parrish spoke with the Archbishop of Pretoria, William Slattery. Well, the situation has been rather chaotic since uh, Sunday night. Um, as you see in the newspapers and reports, there's been quite a lot of uh, destruction of property. And uh, today, the favoured candidate, Mr. Ramakopa, who was not selected by the ANC Selection Committee, has gone to Attridgeville to speak uh, to the people there uh, to try and bring some calm. Uh, but they, especially his followers, are insisting that he, rather than Toko Didize, be the preferred candidate. You know, this was uh, the culmination of a lot of agitation over the last couple of weeks and months. You know, uh, there is a lot of inequality, of course, in our city here at Swanee, Pretoria. You know, you have some of the richest uh, suburbs that you can imagine, and also a few kilometers away, some of the very poorest. You know, Mr. Ramachopa himself told me that about 10,000 new people come into this urban complex every month. So the situation regarding homelessness and unemployment and inequality is there. And then, you know, the situation in South Africa gives the impression that a lot of appointments and a lot of benefits uh, are due to patronage. That means that the person who is on top, the person who is the mayor, for example, has power to um, make his friends wealthier and give them opportunities. That's the general, I'm not saying it's in uh, Swanee as such, but that's the general perception that people have. And so there is a tremendous competition for uh, positions, uh, for the top position, because uh, people feel that this will open the door to them who are uh, friends 
of the person uh, above them. So, uh, however, there are deeper problems like uh, the, 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 the inequality that's here, you know, the education system, and tremendous numbers of young, unemployed people, unskilled people, and also very few alternative channels of communication available to them. I mean, it's all very well uh, saying that we have a great choice for a democratic country because we can vote in municipal elections every five years. But, I mean, one vote every five years doesn't uh, empower a person, at least does not give a sense of being empowered to people who are on the streets, people who have no work, uh, people who are living in very poor housing and so on. So the situation uh, is hopefully is going to calm. It's been estimated the damage done to uh, you know, the burning of buses and so on comes to almost 30 million rand. Now, that's 30 million rand gone up in smoke. And, I mean, what has been achieved by such destruction? Really and truly, we have to find new methods in South Africa of, you know, making our displeasure uh, known to the governing bodies. Uh, you know, the, the church is doing all its power to calm our people, to encourage them to have patience, uh, to allow the leaders to try and solve this situation, to come to some agreement. That's all we can do, Sheila. Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa has strongly condemned violent protests that have rocked Twane and other areas around the country ahead of the August the 3rd local government elections. South Africa does not tolerate violence and we call on all our people in Tswane to desist from violence and to find ways, better ways of addressing the problems and the challenges that we face. The issue of mayoral candidates is a matter that needs to be discussed. And we're very, very concerned that this whole problem is beginning to acquire tribalistic type of tones, where it is suggested that somebody who, come, who was born in another province but lives in a city in a metro like Pretoria should not be a mayoral candidate of, of uh, Tswane. Now, this goes against the values that we have always sought to embrace as a people and as a nation. And we say, let us uphold our values that are deeply embedded in our constitution. Let us practice them because it is important that we as South Africans should act as one and be truly non-racial and be truly democratic and be united in everything that we do. And finally, the ancient practice of yoga represents the breath of the eternal, according to one of the world's oldest practitioners. 97-year-old Tao Poshon Lynch began learning yoga in India at age 8. Tuesday, the 21st of June, marks the second International Day of Yoga. Laura Jariel asked Ms. Poshon Lynch how yoga has changed during her lifetime. There are a lot of new forms of, of what is yoga. I'm afraid I'm still staying with the principles that were first part of yoga. Um, I'm happy to see more people there. I, I don't want to do gymnastics. I want to discover and teach people that as you take a breath in, you're, in, you're tuning in to the life force inside of you, and you're tuning in to the spirit of life, 
you know. So, and nothing, nothing's impossible. And people telling me what I can't do, I'm not interested in what I can't do. I know that within me is the possibility to go out and do it. If you'll just tell me about why you're here at the UN. We need the United Nations. We need to be able to sit and talk to each other. We don't have to find out what is wrong with life. Whatever you put in your mind materializes. So let's materialize peace and beauty and know that each one of us has something good to offer. So what do you think yoga can do for the world? If everyone in the world participates, what happens? What does that look like? It will be a beautiful springtime and everything will flourish, really. If every one of us gets together, we can send the message out. Don't spend, don't send hatred out. It's ridiculous. I, I don't believe in that. I believe in the smile on people's faces. I believe in helping people. One of the sustainable development goals for 2016 is to ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all and at all ages. And I know that that's that's very important in your yoga practice and your yoga teaching. Can you tell me what that means? To me, yoga is the breath of the eternal. It's within us and not just mentally in with us. It's the breath of life. I don't want to pray to something out in space. I want to pray to that which is beating within my own heart. And if I can feel it there, then I can accept it beating in your heart and even to a t tiny insect. All of us have that same heartbeat. And these have been your news from Africa and beyond. Have yourselves a very good evening. You're still listening to The Catholic View on Radio Veritas, 576 AM, otherwise on 870 DSTV Bouquet. You can also get us online. Simply log on to our website, radioveritas.co.za. My name is Shayla, and it's great to be here with you. Coming up in the broadcast, we bring you our first feature as we're taking a look at fighting discrimination against albinos in Africa. Activists and government officials from around Africa met in Tanzania this past weekend for the continent's first ever forum on albinism. Albinism is characterized by a lack of melanin, resulting in lighter than normal skin and hair. In some countries, people with albinism are physically attacked or killed for their body parts for use in witchcraft. UN independent expert on albinism, Ikompowosa Ero, spoke about some of the highlights of the first ever forum on albinism. Uh, one of the key things that stood out for me were people making suggestions um, that we should come up with design new method of doing um, of achieving our goals instead of repeating the same methods that have not worked. So for example, somebody suggested that we shouldn't only be focusing on printing out brochures, we should start using the arts to get into the community because whenever you do that, thousands of people show up, whereas brochures reach only a few. So this kind of new, um, uh, a new direction in approach has, is already emerging. You had uh, the UN uh, resident coordinator in Tanzania and you also had a senior representative from government. 
uh, do you think uh, there was anything new that came from uh, what they said? Yes, um, the UN resident coordinator um, pledged his support to the issue and uh, itemized what remains outstanding to be done in a very um, uh, succinct way. And also the Tanzanian um, high-level official did the same thing. They both pointed out the outstanding issues and reiterated the human rights of people with albinism and the duty of the government and the duty of people in the room. So both of them from different approaches, the United Nations and the government, reiterated this and then that got the group ready to engage in specific measures. You have different countries participating uh, and each country has their own experience. For example, in Mali, you know, you'd have someone who has albinism is treated with so much, it's like good luck, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to, to even get married to, you know, they feel that it's a privilege, you know, and uh, when you come to countries like Tanzania or Malawi, uh, you know, the people look at people with albinism as, you know, from the economic point of view that, you know, they could get their limbs and things like that. Are you reaching a middle point, you know, are you really understanding each other or is, are your interests and focus, is it the same? Because you are different African countries, different cultures, different beliefs. Yes, it's true that uh, there's such a diversity of opinions, even within the country of Mali that you gave as an example. I think by tribe there might be differences because I remember Salif Keita also from Mali, um, the famous musician with albinism. He said that he faced a lot of stigma and discrimination. There might be like tribal differences, which is something to explore and we shouldn't assume a country is monolithic or homogeneous in its approach. So it'll be interesting to do a study and, and look at different tribal approaches and the kind of myths, good and bad, that has developed around the issue. But personally, I don't think we should think of albinism as good luck uh, or bad luck just think of us as people because um, even if you think oh good luck is good yes but it's still kind of making the person not quite human it's like a superhuman approach or it's still mythologized so something is still wrong there so I think ideally treat us as people and then discover who we are let our virtues shine or see our vices like everybody else so that we are more um, integrated as opposed to look at that person for this story or that story. Discrimination, marginalization, unemployment and greater susceptibility to skin cancer are some of the obstacles encountered by people with albinism. That's according to an activist from the West African country of Liberia. Patricia M. C. Logan is the founder and executive director of the Liberia Albino Society, which works to empower people people who have the rare genetic condition, which results in lack of pigment in the hair, skin, and sometimes eyes. She spoke to Stella Vozo about the importance of the three-day meeting. I think it's important that we gather for this three days uh, international forum. I believe that this will help to push up our advocacy in the UN sector so that they will be able to, to look into the policy that we have come up with so that Strong measures will be taken up, and at least our government in the various countries will, will yield to that, and they will make sure that they will support the efforts from the government that will be coming from UN. What is the situation facing people with albinism in, in Liberia? In Liberia. For us in Liberia, we are not being killed, or we are not being mutilated like others in Tanzania and other countries. But there are discrimination and marginalization in, in our country, which we face a lot. And we, we, we also face job employment and, and lack of education, and there are other issues that we face. But uh, our government is tackling that issues, 
bit by bit because we have been supported by government. Though we are not receiving that much, but at least what we receive from government is being used in that effort, making sure that we promote the preventions and and helping you know persons who have been using in education, helping persons who have been using in healthcare services, helping persons who have been using you know to get some macro loans and empowering themselves vocationally and other things. So we are working alongside with other international local organizations to see how abuse issues should be raised. So what are the issues that you're going to take home with you from this forum that you feel you are directly going to start implementing when you return? We are trying to we are going to pull up the policy making sure that our students who sit and write our YEC examination should be given time. We'll also be going to our government telling them that they need to help in the raising the advocacy more in the health sector. We'll be talking to our government to make sure that um, the issue of personal living abuse should be on the table. And we'll be talking to our government to see how they can help you know, stop the skin cancer that killed our people in Abira because skin cancer is something that is killing. There is no cure for it. We haven't gotten any support of, you know, and doctors that can do such a call on, on skin cancer. Though we have given some education on the means of protecting yourself from skin cancer, we have gotten that information. But in, in taking care of skin cancer, the, we, the, our government have not done enough. We will talk to our government to see how they can be your help raising their awareness and you know providing the funding and giving us some support when it comes to international charity organizations that the government is linking to and also we also talk to our government to see how they can work along with the local government we found out that most of the killings that have been done in Tanzania is involved the local governments because they are not taking serious measures when it comes to when it comes to that. So we also we have studied a lot. We will go to our country and involve our local governments to see to it that the rich doctors are practice those uh, who goes and gives some information to the customers to go and get the body parts of Abinos so that they can be empowered to make sure that every rich doctor that are practicing, they should know what to practice and what not to practice. So those are some of the things we'll be taking out to our government. Time now for a second and final feature for today's broadcast. We're talking about the 800th Jubilee of the Dominican Order of Preachers. Benedicere, predicare, laudare, we praise our Lord with our saints. Benedicere, we lift our voice in song. Predicare, we proclaim your word to the world. Laudare, benedicere. 800 years ago, in 1216, St. Dominic Guzman introduced the grace of Dominican life into the world to preach for the salvation of souls. This is the pattern set by St. Dominic in imitation of the apostles. The Order of Preachers, otherwise known as the Dominicans, is a religious order in the Roman Catholic Church and friars, nuns, sisters, as well as laity worldwide continue this vibrant 800-year tradition on every continent to the present day. 
From November 7, 2015 to January 21st of 2017, the Order of Preachers Worldwide will celebrate the 800th anniversary or jubilee of the approbation of the Order by Pope Honorius III in 1216. This Tuesday, Radio Veritas welcomed the Master of the Order of Preachers, Father Bruno Cadore, accompanied by Father Dominic Itzo, Assistant of the Master of the Order of Preachers for America, and Father Gabriel Samba, the Assistant for Africa. I asked Father Gabriel Samba to talk to us about the Jubilee celebrations in Congo Brazzaville, his home country. You are currently based in Rome, but originally from Congo, Brazzaville. Exactly. Talk to us about the Dominican order in Congo, Brazzaville. Yes, in Congo, Brazzaville, we have uh, only one community of uh, the Dominican brothers. It's based in Brazzaville, and uh, they are in charge of uh, the Catholic uh, chaplaincy of the state university. So it's a community of five brothers uh, with... uh, Different ministry, but the main ministry is uh, to take care of the students and uh, all the ministry uh, at the university chaplaincy, but they also teach at the university Mm -hmm. and at the major seminary. And we have uh, uh, one um, Dominican congregation of the sisters, we call them uh, Petit Sœur Dominican. And so this is uh, the reality of the Dominicans in Congo Brazzaville so far. Beautiful. But now with the jubilee of, uh, with the 800th anniversary, rather, jubilee anniversary of the Dominican order, what has been happening in Congo Brazzaville? Has there been any celebrations or are you still planning? Yes, uh, actually uh, the celebration took place on uh, the 4th of June. I was in uh, Kinshasa for the celebration of uh, the the vice province that uh, entity, as we used to call it, was uh, a vicariate general, and then it became a vice province. Mm-hmm. So the mass of the order sent me to Kinshasa to celebrate this event. And from uh, Kinshasa, I went to Brazzaville. Uh, it was uh, uh, the celebration of the jubilee of the order. So it was uh, around uh, the mass, mass of Thanksgiving, presided over by uh, the Archbishop of uh, Brazzaville. And he asked me to preach because he said, I don't know very well your uh, uh, charism, so please uh, preach. So I preached, and after mass, uh, we had... Uh, some cultural uh, uh, activities uh, and a conference. So it was uh, quite good. Okay, all right. Now, as uh, the master of the order, uh, Father Bruno was just saying now that the Dominican order engages in quite a number of projects, be it in the media in terms of radio and in some countries television. And uh, there's also a lot of involvement from the Dominican order when it comes to uplifting the spirituality of uh, of people in general, whether you are religious or non-religious. And let's talk about that. What type of activities or works besides the university University does the Dominican order do in Congo Brazzaville? In Congo Brazzaville, uh, the brothers are uh, at uh, the, the, the university. Mm-hmm. They teach it there, and uh, they also teach at the major seminary. And uh, they uh, they preach some retreats yeah. to the sisters, to the the, the I mean the the, the, the priests. And uh, also at the, the university chaplaincy, there is um, a school they call uh, Emmaus when they help uh, many sisters and also brothers religious mm-hmm. uh, to deepen their formation in spirituality and also um, in theology. Uh, 
Uh, you know, for Dominicans, it's very important to study the, the Bible, the Word of God. That's why we are the order of preacher. So yeah. uh, we have uh, in uh, Brazzaville uh, uh, what we call uh, school, not the school uh, uh, as such, but uh, uh, some uh, occasion where the brother can also teach uh, the, the, the Word of God, the Bible to people. Mm-hmm. Now, you're based in Rome, and I, I believe you have experienced quite a number of celebrations in honor of the Jubilee. Um, talk to us about uh, one of the most uh, beautiful experiences that you've attended so far. What has really, the one that has really touched you and you felt like, wow, this was really a great celebration in honor of the Jubilee year for the Dominican Order? Uh, for the Dominican order, I will say it uh, is uh, the opening of the Jubilee. That was uh, on the 7th of November 2015. So I was in Rome and uh, the, the official opening took place at Santa Sabinda. Mm-hmm. That is uh, the Basilica of the Dominican uh, at our uh, headquarters. So it was a very big celebration. Uh, all the Dominican family was around. So I think that was uh, very important for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as an assistant of the Master of the Order for the Dominicans in Africa, what is it that you do? What, what is your job description? Um, just give us a brief outline of what you do. My job is to help the Master of the Order uh, to know better the Dominicans in Africa. Mm. our region uh, as Africa, to know it better, and also to help my Dominican brothers from Africa to know better the, uh, the, the order. So uh, I help the mass of the order in the government of uh, the, the, the order. So helping to visit uh, our communities la- as now, what we are doing here is he came here to visit the Dominican in South Africa. So being the, his assistant for this region, I have to accompany him. So he may not understand some uh, maybe cultural things or something, I have to help him to understand better what uh, is going on. So this is really my, my role. And now in terms of uh, vocations in the Dominican order, especially in Africa, seeing that the, that's your area, um, would you say that vocations are increasing? Are they s- stable? Uh, what's the status? I would say that the vocations are uh, increasing uh, because uh, we have uh, actually what we call uh, entities uh, uh, eight entities. We have uh, one province, which is Nigeria and Ghana. And uh, I can assure that in uh, Nigeria, there are so many vocations. They don't have even enough place to to host them. So in Africa, in most of our entities, we have many vocations. Even here in uh, this entity, the Vicariate of Southern Africa, uh, we have also vocation coming maybe by the neighboring countries like uh, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Malawi, but also sometimes from uh, uh, this country. Yes, mm-hmm. we have vocation. And I think the future of the order is uh, in uh, Latin America and in Africa when we have more vocation compared to Europe. In America, we have also vocations. What have you been doing as a Dominican order since it's the Jubilee year for you? And it's also the year of mercy for the Catholic Church. What have you been doing in view of uh, the year of mercy? You know, the order of preacher is also called uh, the the order of mercy, or we are preacher of mercy. Uh, so uh, for us, it is a... Uh, a good opportunity to to reflect again um, on our vocation as Dominican because uh, when we join the Dominican order or when we do our um, profession, Mm -hmm. the only question 
that is asked to us is, what do you seek? And the answer is, the mercy of God and yours. It means the mercy of the superior and the mercy of my brothers. So it helps us to reflect on our identity and on the charism of a Dominican order. What does it mean, mercy today? Not only to, to preach it, but also to live it, to experience the mercy of God in our life and to be ready to give mercy to others. Father Gabriel, thank you so much for your time, and I do hope you enjoy your stay in South Africa. And uh, lastly, which country do you prefer to stay in, Congo, Brazzaville, or Rome? Uh, I, I'm African. <laughs> I prefer to go back to Africa. When I'm finishing in next year, so I'll be back uh, to Africa, but I don't know where exactly because I'm a missionary. Yeah. Wherever I'll be sent, I will go. Lovely, lovely. Any last words to all our listeners? Just uh, to say thank you and uh, to encourage them to listen to Radio Veritas because it's very important. They learn a lot and also it is uh, very important to uh, support the radio uh, in different ways, financially or whatever, so that this radio could continue to uh, spread the good news for a change. Father, once again, thank you so much for I'm your time. I'm the one to thank you. You've been listening to Tuesday's edition of Catholic View, a program presented and produced by Shayla Pitch for Radio Veritas. Until tomorrow evening at the same time, thank you so much for listening. God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Shayla Pitch. Oh,